A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. There are six Christianizing the American dream. I said that, you, uh, that, that many LDS folks and I uh, love the same Jesus. Uh, I still believe that. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you to brush your hair. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 145. I'm your host, Norm, The Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. So The Master's Dog is a podcast that it started out as a podcast called Faith and Beliefs Refuted. So there's a fairly popular LDS uh, podcast called, well, it was called Three Mormons, became Saints Unscripted. Then they introduced a segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs. And it started with the Articles of Faith, the LDS Articles of Faith. And I wanted to respond to all the videos to show how those Articles of Faith didn't show up or line up with biblical Christianity. So I did videos and called it Faith and Beliefs Refuted and went through all those episodes of the Articles of Faith. And then they continued on beyond that and continued to do things dealing with doctrine and theology of the LDS Church. And I committed to respond to all of those. So. Faith and Beliefs Refuted continued on with them. Some point in time down the road, I decided I wasn't just going to deal with this particular podcast. I wanted to deal with other things, other issues besides like Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Islam, anything to do with theology, uh, pseudo-Christian, uh, cultish kind of stuff, right? Um, Joel Osteen, prosperity minister, all that stuff. I wanted to deal with that. So I changed the name to The Master's Dog based on the John Calvin quote that you heard at the beginning of the introduction video, uh, because that's what I do. When God's truth is attacked, I bark. Um, And so I want to deal with all of that. So that's where this podcast came from. A little background for those of you who are new, uh, continuing to get more and more subscribers every day. And that's thanks to you guys who like and share and comment on the videos. Uh, That makes Mr. Algorithm, that guy right there. Uh, it's hard to see. That's one of those Space Jam cards. Um, and I was calling him Algorithm. Al- Al- they call him Algae Rhythm. But I was calling him that long before Space Jam came out. So no, I didn't steal it. Uh, I just decided to use the card because it's kind of cool. Um, that makes him send out the video to more and more people who want to hear it or might enjoy it. Yeah, that that's kind of just, you know norm ranting in the middle of a podcast so um there you go thank you for all of you who have liked and shared if you haven't already hit the subscribe button hit the notification button get all the stuff that i release here on the evangelical norm network channel whatever you want to call it on youtube and um but don't like the video until the end because i don't want you to like something that you haven't even seen yet so today we are back to the roots of this podcast going to be dealing with um, our friends over at Saints Unscripted, our 
friend uh, David Snell, who is the guy who does this. Again, this is the only scripted thing on Saints Unscripted, so kind of interesting. But we're going to catch up with him. Uh, I haven't done one of these episodes, I think, in a month. Uh, because the reality is, is this is what I talk about. I have responded in some way to every video they've done. But some of them I've done like this. And we're going to just take a look. So uh, this is actually four weeks ago. A month ago, they did a video on the history of Jerusalem. Really has nothing to do with Mormon theology or even theology at all. It's just, it was just basically that. If you want to get a bird's eye view of the history of Jerusalem, and it wasn't even, it didn't even feel like to me like it was influenced at all by, by Mormonism. It's just, I mean, Jerusalem's history is Jerusalem, Jerusalem's history. Excuse me. So there was that. Then the next week they did one dealing with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Again, I didn't see anything in there that kind of was a red flag of this isn't really true. Um, you know, again, my only my only statement is I agree with so many other people who have said there's never actually technically been a Palestinian state. Never really has been. I mean, there's been claims and so on and people who are offering to make one and, you know, in treaties and so on. Israel is Israel. Leave it at that. And again, so this had no theology in it. It had nothing to do with LDS doctrine. Nothing that I felt that I could really go, okay, let's look at this and show how Mormonism is not. Yes, that's a, the point of these videos is to show how Mormonism does not line up with biblical Christianity. It is a, um, a pseudo-Christian cult-ish anymore. I, I mean, I've, I've moved away from calling it a cult. Um, I think when it began with Joseph Smith, it was a cult. Um, very charismatic, very controlling. It still has some of those aspects, but at this point it has just become what Islam is or Catholicism or Jehovah's Witnesses, any of those things. It's become an established faith. Um, people can come and go as they want. It's, it's not that it's this, it's not the branch Davidians. It's not Waco, Texas. It's not people who are absolutely controlled by, uh, a charismatic leader like they were back in the days of Joseph Smith and even Brigham Young. So I don't call it a cult, but it is definitely cult-ish. Good podcast if you want to check that out too. The guys over at Apologia, um, Jeremiah Roberts and my man Andrew Songkrant. Free plug for the cultish podcast. So th three weeks ago, this was the deal, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. No theology, no doctrine, nothing like that. Really nothing to talk about. Then they did an episode responding to comments from Faith and Beliefs. And, of course, they responded to a few different comments on from the YouTube videos. But they ignored the elephant in the room. Hi, I'm the elephant in the room. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure, because I've tagged David in some of the responses that I've made. Um, so I'm pretty sure they've seen some of my videos uh, responding to theirs. You're never, ever, ever, ever going to see them respond to my videos. It's just because that's the way they are. So um, that was that. And then last week, finally, they did an episode on the ups and downs of church finances, mostly downs over the years. This, again, was nothing really 
doctrinal, theological, anything like that. It really was just a, it's, it felt to me, and if you want to go watch the video, go watch the video, check it out. Um, but it really felt to me like it was, it's like the, the thing that they try to use to say, oh, the church is true because we've been persecuted so much. Well, let's define persecution. Um, yeah, Hans Mill, uh, a few others, I mean, literally um, less than 100 um, over the years, verifiable uh, events of people or people who have been killed because of their faith in Mormonism. Okay. And if I, if I'm wrong on that, again, if my numbers are wrong, go ahead, come at me, bring them, show me something. But still there's, there's no, if you want to see persecution and what that looks like, watch the fifth sale podcast that I do, uh, the second and fourth Wednesdays of every month, um, until November and then every day through the month of November, you'll see what, what persecution looks like. What the Mormons deal with now, what I'm doing right now is not persecution. Um, what Christians deal with in America is not persecution. All right. Um, we get, you know, oh, they're, they're not letting us say what we want or anything like that. It's not persecution. Um, and the Mormons haven't experienced that in a long time either. But this was, it was like, oh, well, because here, here's a, uh, one of the, the charges that is made against the Mormon church quite often. I kind of got off on a tangent, but here we're back. Um, reel it in, Norm. Is that their, uh, their finances, they're, they're literally a multi-billion dollar conglomerate is what Mormonism is. And so people kind of bring that up. But again, then again, so is Catholicism. There's billions of dollars within the, the coffers of the Catholic Church. We don't see a whole lot of that in Christianity because it's so diverse in Orthodox Christianity. You do see that in false churches, uh, mega churches like Joel Osteen, Creflo Dollar, places like that where, again, not to the uh, extent of Mormonism and Catholicism, the wealthiest religions in the world, and I think they probably bounce be past each other once in a while. Um, but it is. It's a multi-billion dollar conglomerate, and people bring that charge against the church. So, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> For those of you listening, I think I just choked on spit. <clears throat> So what it seemed to me to be was, uh, well, here, no, you can't make this complaint because for the most majority of our, our years, we, we had bad finances. I don't know how well that works uh, as an excuse because, again, you are led by men who claim to be prophets. And why would God allow his prophets to be really, really bad financial uh, stewards? Just a, just a question. So, again, this in the same way as, oh, we're so persecuted. Being told you're wrong isn't persecution, especially when you can prove that you're wrong. It's not being persecuted. Oh, our finances were bad for a long time, but now it's better. <laughs> so, again, it's not really helping the argument in the way that I think they wanted to. And so today I'm going to just, um, we've taken a long time so far just catching up. So we're going to take a look at this video 
that David did this week. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, why does the church own businesses? So again, it's kind of the same questioning. Uh, you know, oh, our finances were really bad for a long time. But now the, the question is, and again, the charge brought against the LDS church. Um, and I think it's a unique thing because I don't know if Roman Catholicism actually owns businesses as a church. I mean, they're, they're their own government in the Vatican and stuff like that. So again, there's, there's definitely a similarity, but I don't know that, that you can go to a business, find a business and say, that is owned by the Catholic Church. I mean, we have Catholic charities and stuff like that. But as far as like for-profit businesses, I don't know that they're out there. Again, if you know of any, let me know. That's, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not very well versed on Catholicism and what their financial holdings are. But so here, this is a charge that's brought against the LDS Church quite often is, well, you own all these businesses, it's for-profit, you're supposed to be a non-profit organization, a church, it just seems kind of fishy. So David's going to respond to some of that today, and again, as we always do with these videos, I'm going to let him play, and then I will respond as needed, and we will go from there. So here is our buddy David Snell from Saints Unscripted. Hey guys, so in a past episode, we got a bird's-eye view of the history of the financial status of the church. Tithing donations from members have always been the church's primary source of support, but the church is also involved in a wide variety of investments and businesses, which a lot of people have questions about. So let's talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it. All right, so why is the church involved in for-profit businesses? Historically, two purposes have characterized church participation in business. To provide important services to the community that might not otherwise be available, and to provide a reasonable return on the resources of the church. On the church's website, we read, the church holds business interests that are primarily an outgrowth of enterprises which were begun when the church was isolated in the West. The commercial businesses owned by the church help serve the needs of the church in accomplishing its mission. For example, when Latter-day Saints came to Utah, they needed means of communication, so the church started up the Deseret News. Farmers needed a cash crop, so they got involved in the sugar beet business. Brigham Young got tired of retailers price gouging the saints, so the church started up ZCMI, which stood where City Creek Center Mall now stands. And if you want to dive deeper into that topic, I'll leave some resources in the YouTube description. Okay, so let's let's kind of break this down a little bit. Um, okay, so the church started up some businesses because there wasn't those things available. So... But again, as you look at other churches that are very well off and so on because of tithes and so on, it's because individuals started businesses. So you're telling me that when the church moved into the state of Utah, there wasn't a person that said, hey, I'm going to start a newspaper. Rather than that, the church started a newspaper. Again, it, Government or church controlling media is media in that sense of news, newspapers, stuff like that. Um, not really a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea for the church to control the information that is being put out. Because again, historically, the LDS church has not been really good at maintaining what information because they've hidden a lot of stuff very deceptive throughout their history until the advent of the internet 
And when all this stuff started to come out and then they had to come, you know, correct with what was going on and what was the truth. But again, I mean, I would not trust a newspaper that was run by the United States government to give me accurate information any more than I would trust a newspaper run by the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons or anybody else. I would like my newspapers and so on to be independent and unbiased. We don't see that a whole lot anymore nowadays because everybody's got an opinion and there are no unbiased journalists anymore. It's just, you know, commentators and opinions and so on. So that would be the first problem. And then, of course, you know, issues of, okay, they needed to get involved in crops or whatever, a means of of providing. Again, everywhere else, capitalism says that individual people do this. So here again, this was the cultish uh, actions of the church. We are controlling everything, you know, and so, okay, these other businesses were price gouging the, the Mormons, so they started up ZCMI, but wait, I thought none of these things were available. They were isolated in the West, but yet there were other merchants that were price gouging, so this is why we had to do this. See where we're, we're going? Even now, the descriptions and the explanations don't, don't hold water. It's very deceptive in it. What was it? Are they isolated in the, the West so they had to do these that weren't create these things that weren't available? Or were there other uh, avenues available and it was just that they were charging the Mormons too much? Continue. Scholar D. Michael Quinn wrote, the LDS Church has rarely had financial profit as the motive for starting even the most ambitious business. In fact, from 1933 to 1961, First Presidency Counselor J. Reuben Clark continually cautioned against church enterprises making too much money, which would be profiteering at the expense of those whom Mormon enterprises seek to benefit, the average Latter-day Saints. Until 1933, Mormon-owned or controlled businesses were mostly a drain on the church's resources, driving it to the edge of bankruptcy. Now, let's talk about investments. The church main... Okay, so again, here is this whole thing of, well, you know, for for most of our history, we didn't really make a whole lot of money, but now we're a multi-billion con- dollar conglomerate. Um, but remember, we weren't all that good way back when. So you can't be mad at us about having billions of dollars now because for the majority of our history, we weren't really good at it. What? I mean, it's like saying, you know, well, the Jazz, Utah Jazz were so bad. Yeah, I know they lost last night. Um, Utah Jazz were so bad for so many years, you can't be mad at them for being good now and having the best. I don't know. It's just like it doesn't make sense. This trying to connect those two things just don't make sense to me. So diversified reserves, including common stocks and bonds, interests in taxable businesses, commercial and residential real estate, and agricultural properties to provide financial support for the church's ongoing and future operations. Each year, the church sets aside a portion of its funds to save and invest. If there's a tithing surplus for the year, at least some of that money goes into the church's reserve until it's needed. Church leaders are not hiding this reserve under their mattresses. In biblical terms, they do not bury the talent that has been given to them. In 1991, President Gordon B. Hinckley said, Prudent management requires that this money be put to use. In that process, we have purchased and hold some good productive farms. They are well operated under capable management, and they yield a conservative rate of return. 
We have felt that good farms over a long period represent a safe investment where the assets of the church may be preserved and enhanced, while at the same time they are available as an agricultural resource to feed people should there come a time of need. For example, the church owns a massive ranch near Orlando, Florida called Deseret Cattle and Citrus. The church also invests in various companies like Google and Home Depot, though they try to keep that information private, in part because they don't want members just blindly investing in everything the church invests in, thinking it'll all be financial butterflies and rainbows. As we talked about in our last episode, the financial history of the church has not been one of butterflies and rainbows. Okay, so again, it doesn't make sense. If, if you're the, again, people listen to their prophet, right? The one to prophet thinks, speaks, the thinking has been done. So why hide your investments from your people because you don't want them to just willy-nilly invest? That does not make sense as a reason. Again, if the church is investing in these... Well, we don't want you willy-nilly investing in these things because they might not be so good. Well, why are you investing in them? This does not, this is a nonsensical argument to, to say, well, they hide these things. No, this is a church. There should be nothing hidden. This is, I mean, again, if you were, which we know the Mormons follow a false Jesus. So obviously their false Jesus is not the way the truth and the life only just a little truth and you can hide this other stuff and you can come up with reasons why you should hide it pointless it really wasn't until the tenure of n eldon tanner that the church was able to really get their finances in order within two decades after 1963 he established lds headquarters as a financial powerhouse with significant annual income from both its investments and businesses. According to a 2020 article from the Wall Street Journal, the company that manages many of the church's investments, Ensign Peak Advisors, ballooned from a shoestring operation in the 1990s into a behemoth rivaling Wall Street's largest firms. It is reported that the church's EPA investment portfolio is now worth upwards of $100 billion. The fund became controversial after a former EPA employee complained to the IRS that the church was doing something illegal. The church released a statement denying the claim. So far, the IRS hasn't investigated and probably won't. That said, while most people would agree that having reserve funds makes sense and is important, some people nonetheless feel that the church's reserve fund is exorbitant. Some feel the church should be doing more right now with those funds instead of saving them for future needs. Others see malls. the church's relatively recent financial success as quite faith-promoting. They're grateful that the church is financially secure and applaud leaders for being wise financial stewards. As for me, like J. Reuben Clark, I acknowledge that leaders are not infallible in their financial decision-making, but as a believing member of the church, I do give them the benefit of the doubt. Frankly, I don't have the full picture of the church's financial obligations, expenditures, and future projections. So if the church chooses to save and invest my tithing until the time comes when they feel it's needed, I'm okay with that. I pay my tithing because I believe this is God's restored church and it's part of a commitment I have made with God. Of course, I want leaders to use it in inspired ways, but my decision to pay tithing is not conditioned on how perfectly or imperfectly they choose to use it. Of course, you're certainly free to come to your own conclusions. If you want to dive deeper into this topic, as always, check out the resources in- Hey guys, so in a past oh, episode, we got sorry. a bird's eye- Changed camera angles and I forgot that it, it takes the video back to the beginning. Okay, so he was just saying there's resources, blah, blah, blah. Have a great day.
that's what David does. So, um, the whole issue is here. I don't know that within, I mean, especially not in, in the Bible, uh, will you find anywhere that says a church cannot have investments or anything like that? Now, we live in a country where there are tax laws and stuff like this, non-profit organizations that hold 501c3 and this and that and the other stuff. And there are tax laws and so on because, again, somebody complained to the IRS about the Mormons having $100 billion in a reserve, right? But yet there are still people, LDS church members, people that I have met that try to get help from the church but do not get it because they don't actively go to church. Right. So again, how the Mormons want to handle their money, that's up to them. My church, the, the financial decisions are made by our elders and that is, is, and we trust them, but it's all on the up and up. It's all out in the open. I don't know that our church has never, well, I know that our church has never invested in Google or anything like that. We don't have those things. That's not what our church is about. The money we have is invested in people and charity and missions and so on. And then, of course, we have a building that we have to pay for and expenses and stuff. We have a school now, so we have you know salaries and stuff that are paid. There are those things that come from the church's finances. But I don't know. Again, he, he made the reference to the talent. And sure, I mean, we you can... You can take that and as a principle, you can look at maybe a church should be investing to get a good return on their their money. But here's here's my point. I kind of got off track. I remember a time being at the LDS temple um, and this was the day that I kind of got escorted out. Um, I was wasn't actually told to leave, but I was told not to share my personal beliefs with other people. And then had security guys following me around the rest of the time we were on the temple grounds, even to the point that they followed us right out the gate. But as I came out the gate, there's a little lady sitting out there selling knitted mittens or something like that. Her name was Annie. I remember this woman and, and I, I'll never forget her. Her name was Annie. She's sitting out there. And as I sat, I just came out. I came out of the gate after being followed by the security guys. Um, and I just sat and I watched her. And I watched the people coming out of the LDS business building, office building, temple grounds, all this stuff. People who are members in good standing with the LDS church and so on, walking past her, wouldn't even make eye contact with this woman. You know, I mean, she was, you know, just the untouchable. They, this was the lady they were not going to even acknowledge that was there. So I walked up to her and I talked to her. I gave her a couple of bucks. I didn't, I didn't want the mittens, but I gave her a couple of dollars and I asked her, I said, and I asked her name. I said, Annie, tell me something. Are you a member of this church? She says, yeah. I said, why aren't they helping you? She says, because I'm homeless and I can't go to church on Sunday. I don't have a place. I'm, I'm out here. And so I can't get, Bishop Storehouse help or any of these other things because I am not an active tithe paying member of the LDS church and my heart broke for this woman and I shared with her the gospel I told her about you know all this stuff and and a little bit about the Mormon church being false and so on but I shared with her the gospel I gave her a couple of bucks but here again here's the thing you've got a hundred and one million billion dollars in reserve 
and a homeless lady who is a member of your church sitting outside, but she can't get help because she can't give back. This is where the charges against the LDS church come from. And this is the cultish activity. Now, again, whether if you if you don't want to give money to people who aren't members, fine. But this lady's a member. She just can't make it to church. And she just doesn't have an income to tithe off of. So she doesn't get, because when I was a kid and my mom was needed help, she wasn't an active member of the church either. But in order for her to get, uh, she was a member, but in order for her to get uh, Bishop Storehouse help, she had to be at church every Sunday and she had to, she had to tithe. And that was a requirement for her to get help for her family and this poor lady sitting outside couldn't get anything and yet you've got a hundred and one billion dollars sitting in a reserve so is that sinful is that wrong is that uh theologically wrong not really i can't i can't give you a verse that says your church organization can't have investments or private businesses or for-profit businesses or any of that i can't give you a bible verse but again, the optics of that are bad. And when you're more interested in, again, putting money back into the coffers instead of putting out to the people who need it, it's kind of suspect. So there you go, guys. That's this week's episode and the last month's episode of uh, The Master's Dog. Thank you for taking the time to watch. Um, and now... If you like the video, hit the like button, hit the share button, invite your friends to come and join up uh, and subscribe to this channel. Um, get all the stuff that I do uh, Saturday morning. I'll have more false teacher of the week stuff and hopefully a few other things, some unsolicited, some, uh, you know, just all kinds of stuff. I do a lot of different podcasts on this network. Um, come check it out. Subscribe, like, do all that stuff if you can. But as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.